afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Lauren Landis and the late Patty Fink. And our guest is Kendall Scudder. He is vice chair for finance of the Texas Democratic Party. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Good. It's welcome been a while back. since you've been, been on. Time. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I think it's it's probably been about five years since I've been in here. Well, you were running for Texas Senate at the time. Womp womp. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I tried. <laughs> it's okay. I got redistricted out of out of Bob Holt's district. Me too. Yeah. What a coincidence! Yeah. <laughs> well, so, you, you should try again sometime. Oh well, thank you. I appreciate it. Right now, I'm I'm going around the state and helping to raise money and doing everything I can to get Democrats elected around the state and. Uh, Hopefully they will behave well when we elect them. And, and I was going to say, what does the vice chair for finance of the Texas Democratic Party actually do? Is it mostly a fundraising job? Um, yeah, it's essentially the finance chairman for the party. Um, but it's a, it, you can either call it the finance chairman or the second vice chair. So uh, whichever one take, pick, takes your fancy. <laughs> so predominantly raising money and doing budgeting work and helping administrate the state party. What did you learn running for Senate? Um, I learned that people will vote for you if you take the time to go and talk to them. Um, mm. you know, I don't know if y'all saw what my results were then, but I mean, I, I overperformed the rest of the ballot. Be Beto in the district. I overperformed Hillary's numbers by 22 points, and it was the most conservative district in Texas. I ended up getting about 42% of the vote. So, I mean, you know, it was because we were working our butts off, and we mm -hmm. were out there meeting people and talking to folks. And oftentimes, I think that, you know, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, elected officials writ large take people for granted. They just think people are going to vote a certain way. But people think, and people have opinions, and things matter to them, and their communities matter to them and if you take the time to show up and meet with them then you can get their vote unfortunately i just ran out of time the clock stopped ticking you know and what district was that it two. was two so it was east dallas which is where i live uh -huh. and then eight rural counties so oh. all the way up to bonham out to oh, greenville yeah. sulfur springs canton uh, some real tough territory for democrats big time that must big be time. hard Regardless of party affiliation, it must be hard to campaign in a place like that because it's not like you can walk down a block in a lot of places. It is. And door knock. But what, what I do think is, is makes rural campaigning a little easier is that they have community events that everyone goes to, you oh. know, whether those are pancake breakfasts or fish fries or crawfish bowls. I mean, everybody in town's there. So you can show up to those types of things and get to know people and meet them. So it was such a great experience. And, you know, I'm from East Texas. It was great to be able to go back home and meet with people and talk to them and, uh, you know, it always hurts your feelings a little bit when you lose but then you get up and you keep fighting and that's what we did so now i'm one of the vice chairs for the state party and uh, we're fighting every day to make sure that we get progressive legislators elected and progressive electeds so that we can do the work of working folks um so one of the things that you did over the last week I, well i guess it's a week and a half ago uh was arrange a meeting between community leaders that included our own the Patty Fink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it was about 20 community leaders with Senator Royce West. Yes. Tell us what happened that precipitated the meeting. Well, um, you know, when we elect Democrats, we expect them to act like Democrats. And, you know, I live in East Dallas, which is a very progressive area of Dallas. And all of my elected officials are solid blue. I mean, they are, they are now. elected 
now, right? I mean, they are elected by uh, large Democratic majorities there. And so we expect them to act like Democrats. Well, unfortunately, for, uh, for all of us, uh, a bill went in front of the state Senate about two weeks ago now that was the drag ban that I think a lot of us are familiar with, it, an attempt to ban drag shows in Texas. The bill would fine businesses $10,000 if a child witnesses a drag show, right? And so it's crafted like that on purpose. The vigilantes <clears throat> will try to sneak 17-year-olds into bars and then fine these owners of gay bars $10,000 a pop. And I mean, that that's, that's the intention behind it. Then there was another bill that uh, would have defunded any public library that had a drag story hour. And Senator West voted in favor of both of those bills. So and those are two separate bills, actually. They were two separate bills. Oh, there, are, the there are a dozen of them out there. Okay. I thought it was the same one. No, they were two separate bills. And then uh, after quite a bit of backlash, Senator West changed his vote on the one concerning libraries, but kept his one concerning, uh, you know, bars. Yeah, gay bars. And so Now, here's know, the thing about that bill. It doesn't say if it's in a public venue and it's uh, witnessed by a child. It says or. So a drag show in a public venue or in a public business or witnessed by a child, they can be fined. So that means the child doesn't have to be there. This is not just about children. This is about regulating gay people. Well, and, and there's also significant concern with the bill essentially outlawing your ability to be trans. Right. Because the way it defines your biological sex and cross-dressing or however mm -hmm. they want to say it, um, you know, can you be a trans person that performs in the Dallas Symphony Orchestra or are you performing in front of kids? Right. And in that situation, you know, will the Dallas Symphony Orchestra be fined $10,000? So it, it, it's, it's logistically a ridiculous bill in addition to it morally being repugnant. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that he had voted in favor of it made a lot of us furious and as a party leader that lives in his district, I called a lot of my friends who are also leaders that live in the district. And, uh, you know, we started calling him. And he agreed to meet. He agreed to meet, uh, which, which I really appreciate. I mean, it takes a lot of, um, you know, chutzpah to admit when you're wrong, you know, and he was, he didn't come in there willing to admit he was wrong. I mean, he walked in. No, the he room. didn't. He, Pat, Patty was there. I mean, he walked in the room with, a, you know, about 20 party leaders and LGBT party leaders, and you know, we read in the riot act. I mean, I think a lot of people were worried we were going to walk in the room and just kind of give him a pass. I think he thought it was going to be really pro forma, you know, and it would be over, and he'd go back to whatever he was. He'd explain himself, and then he'd walk away, and everything was fine. Well, that that is nothing like what happened. That's so what he'd happened. never met you before, Patty. Uh, <laughs> Well, I think he remembers my name now. <laughs> For years, he didn't remember my name. I did reintroduce myself every time. Well, but I think it was also kind of a wake-up call to him because East Dallas was just added to his district. We were previously in Bob Hall's district, right, where I ran in 2018. Mm -hmm. And so we got put into the 23rd because... You know, for a thousand reasons, I'm sure one of them is that Bob Hall didn't want me running against him again, and and so East Dallas, you know, we're not we're not that nice when you don't don't behave like you're supposed to. So you know, we kind of run in the riot act on that. He also now has Cedar Springs and Oakland in 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 Oak Cliff in his district. I mean, he probably has more gay people in his district than any other Senate district in the state of Texas. There might be one in Houston, maybe that so. rivals it, but. I mean, it would be a challenge to find one. I mean, it's, it's, 
he's he's got and so so his vote was was pretty shocking he met with us you know we ran the riot act and we came out of that meeting um you know not giving him a pass and saying, all right, well, ball's in your court. You let us know what you're going to do. And so then we saw the statement. I asked him that at the very end, to be clear. I said, let's just be clear. The ball is entirely in your court. And he said yes. But now it's too late <coughs> to change his vote. It's too late to change his vote. But um, So on, what can he do? So on Monday, he put out a statement. And I think a lot of us really appreciated the statement. You know, sometimes those statements, when they come out, it's just a huge eye roll. You can tell there was a lot of thought put into that statement, in fairness to Senator West. I, I think... He's really doing his best to learn. He's admitting that he just kind of got God. You know, re- Republicans have this thing that they do where they constantly try to create problems that don't exist and they create te- solutions to problems. And then create exist. solutions for those problems that don't exist and tell you you're a terrible person if you don't want to protect our kids. And he right. bought into it when he shouldn't have. He should have known that people aren't having sex in bars. Drag shows are not strip shows or anything. Quite the contrary. The whole point of it is that they are wearing clothes. And, and a lot of them. <laughs> a lot, right. And so you know, he got got, and he admitted it, which was a little shocking to me that he was willing to say, I made a mistake, I should not have done this, it's too late for me to change my vote, uh, but I am going to campaign against this in the House and meet with my colleagues and do everything I can to make sure this doesn't pass. And I appreciate it. We're in the middle of a ledge session, so we've got a lot to fight about. And so I, I'm going to take him at his word on this one as we're moving forward. And, you know, uh, hopefully he, we won't have these problems with him moving forward. Mm. And we have a similar issue now with another bill about banning books that took a, was up for a vote in the Texas House, and 12 Democrats voted for it. And one of them really vehemently, and um, I, I, I was, I've just lost all respect for her completely, uh, Sean Thierry from, I think she's from Austin. From Houston. Houston. Um, did a floor speech about it, railing against this bill. And what this bill does, and they've been, they fell for it too, uh, because it's, oh, the children, it's for, you know, vote for the children. And it's, we've had this, this tactic used on us countless times, countless times over the years, over the decades, in every way, shape, or form. And they fell for it, and they're that gullible and that naive and that stupid that they fell for it, and now they're they're able to ban books that even hint of a gay theme, an LGBTQ character, um, any anything about the book that has to do with us can be banned so, simply on that basis alone. So, what does the language say? Does it specify LGBT issues no. or just sexually content? Just sexual content, and they have it's a it's basically they're putting it on the book vendor. So if the book vendor tries to sell a book to a library or a library system, they have to write up this report that outlines what is in the book and give it a rating. And if they, um, if somehow a, a book that's inappropriate per this bill gets into the library, the vendor can be fined. So for, for our listeners, you may not understand what the problem is. In theory, it sounds fine. Of course, you don't want to sell or check out sexually explicit content to children. Of course, nobody wants that. 
However, if you just look a little bit deeper, it's a much bigger issue than that. What they're basically doing is equating any LGBT content to sexual content. Yes. Right, because if it's a straight couple, right, exactly. there, there's no sex involved. But if it's a gay couple or a lesbian couple, it's all about sex. It's all about no, sex. it's not that there's no sex involved. It's the right sex. It's the, yeah, right, exactly. For, uh, according to them. Because so, this isn't about um, everybody following the same laws. They want, they want to control what their kids see and do and read and talk about and control and like they get the choices on that that's the parental rights side of that their parents get preference and priority everybody else they want to control and have authority over so a friend of mine published his first novel two years ago now and it's a it should be banned well it, <laughs> it was it was seriously. Oh. It's a and it's a it's a it's a teen, um, young teen book. I think that uh, like from eleven to thirteen, the lead character's gay. It's just mentioned. Doesn't do anything. There's obviously no sex in it. It takes place in a junior high school. Great story. Published. Not self-published. Actual publisher had trouble getting the book in certain stores because of what's going on. They equated it to sexual content. Well, look, Representative Steve Toth down in Montgomery County was railing at the beginning of this session about how we need to ban the book Dragons Love Tacos, which is a kid's book wow. that I had never heard of. Um, the number it sounds one like way- a great book, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The number one way to get me to buy a book is to ban it. I have a bookcase full of banned books. <laughs> right, right. And, and so I was like, I guess I'm going to buy Dragons Love Tacos. I bought the book. It's about how you, dragons like tacos, but they can't eat ones with peppers on it. Or else they throw fire. Now you, but they also banned one of the most <laughs> innocuous children's books ever, and it's a true story about penguins and two makes tango. Okay, two yeah. male penguins hatched an egg. That's banned. It's, it's actually a true story. A true story. It's, that's what I said. It's a true story. It's, it's just you know, fascists are who ban books, right? Yes. I mean, people who want to control. Uh, how you think, how your kids think, how your families think. They are the ones who go in and ban books, not us. Democrats aren't supposed to be the ones that do that. And so when folks like Sean Theory rail on the House floor about how books like Dragons Love Tacos should be <laughs> banned, I mean, it's... it's what did, what it's, did they not that like about the that book? That she was mentioning. Steve Toth was the one mentioning Dragons Love Tacos. But my point being, you know, when Democrats are standing up and, and railing about how books need to be banned, you've lost all credibility. You've lost all credibility because you're no longer fighting for free access for information, freedom of speech of those authors, freedom for you to raise your kids the way you want to raise your kids, right? You are now arguing that the state and the government gets to dictate the information you consume. And that's very scary. Here's how bad the situation's gotten. Before last year, there were 223 books that were generally considered to be on the banned book list. Last year, that group of books rose to 2,800. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. 2,800 books that... 14 uh, times more. ...are generally found objectionable. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... mean, but the thing is that it's all of it. There's not one single bill that the GOP in any state in this nation today has brought forward in their legislative sessions, and particularly in Texas, that, um, that is designed to give dignity and respect to LGBTQ people. Not one. So if they're talking about sexual orientation or gender identity or gender... 
they're attacking LGBTQ people. Period. Period. So why these idiotic 12 in the Texas House don't get that, that this is what's going on. Right. And they, you, can, you can micromanage the wording in a particular bill and ignore part of the bill and focus on three words here or two on that page or whatever you're doing, but you're missing the point. The point is that they're attacking us and they're using you to do it. So as a, as a gay person and a gay voter um, in this state, um, I'm gonna see what I can do to take you out. I'm going to see what I can do to primary you to make sure you don't represent me and my party in the in the Texas House going forward. Yeah. Cuz that's because that's exactly you're exactly who we do not need. We don't need stupid people representing us. We don't need gullible people. We don't need naive um people who are are so capable of falling for Obvious, obvious crap, blatantly well, obvious. This is why this is why primary elections are so important. When the the parties actually choose who their nominees are going to be, because you know if you just elect somebody that looks like they have a whole lot of money and puts glossy mailers in your in your mailbox, you're not going to end up with folks that necessarily have their hearts in the right place or are coming from the right reasons, right? I like to look at people's backgrounds. I like to look at what people have been through in their lives and what they've experienced because those types of people are ones that are never going to turn their backs on our causes mm-hmm. and what we do. And so, you know, good luck, Sean Theory, in your next primary. I don't know what's going to happen to her. You know, we had one Democrat here in Dallas County, Carl Sherman, that voted in favor of the book ban. We had two in Fort Worth, Nicole Collier and Ramon Ramiro. I, and those those three folks I have always thought to be, you know, competent, great folks that we've been around. I thought Carl Sherman had been an ally of ours. Yes. He shared a gone. desk with Julie John- Representative Julie Johnson those session, sessions ago. I'm like, what, what the hell, Carl? You know, I mean, really, what the hell? And what it, are you doing? And it's not Who like, are you representing? Right. Well, and it's not like they represent districts where they just had this influx of conservative folks messaging them and telling them how important it was for them to stand up and protect our kids. They made that decision on their own. Like, their their constituents aren't telling them to do that. They live in very, probably 60, 70, 80 percent blue districts. They're drawn Democratic. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just it's, outrageous. When you say drawn Democratic, they're packed with Democrats so that those Democrats don't threaten other the, districts other where districts they want pure Republican votes. Exactly. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know how we have so many stupid Democrats. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and, and if they're too blind to see what is going on, then I don't, I, want, I don't want you near anything that affects my life. I mean, the Republicans introduced a bill... That uh, this is one that I probably won't get a hearing because it's so stupid, but it's just illustrative of what's going on. This guy wants to do property tax relief based on how many kids you have, but only straight couples. Right. And only like natural born or adopted for straight couples. Explicitly excludes LGBTQ people. Straight couples were in their first marriage. Yes, no divorce. If you've been divorced, so you don't qualify, and it, the property relief goes up to ten children. So oh. only your eleventh was born out of love. You know, I mean, that's what it's about. But but it's just one more bill and one right, more way right, right. to attack 
queer people. Let's right. put an asterisk on what you just said, though, Patty. The gentleman who wrote that family values bill is actually currently under investigation because he allegedly had sex with one of his 19-year-old interns. And so we but, need, but we that's need to just take, even more illustrative of what's exactly, going on. Exactly. We need to take the very a break. people who are doing this crap are the ones who are you should be really watching and paying attention. We to. can talk more about Brian Slayton right after <laughs> this. This is Alex Hanselka, and you're listening to Lambda Weekly on eighty nine point three KNON FM, Dallas. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landis and the late Patty Fink. And our guest is Kendall Scudder. He is vice chair for finance of the Texas Democratic Party. We were just talking about Representative Brian Slayton, who proposed anti-gay legislation, then turns because because of the kids. Oh, yeah, this, always for the children. For then the children. turns out he had he's alleged to have had sex with a 19-year-old in his office. His intern. His intern. And provide her with alcohol while she was at his condo. Mm. But that's not sex. Those family values. But that's not sex. Family values. Yeah. Yeah. But this is no different than (laughs) than, um, uh, Jared Woodfill and Paul Presser in, in Houston who were the, you know, and, and Steve, uh, Stephen Hotze and that gang of uber, super right-wing, um, extreme right-wing anti-LGBTQ people. They tried to, to kill Hero and, and all of these things, and they're behind everything. I mean, like, Hotze had to get thrown out of a committee meeting in Austin because he so maligned trans people. Mm. And now... It's all coming out that, you know, that that they all knew, they all knew that Paul Pressler was, was you know, harming little boys mm. and young, young boys in his home. And, you know, I mean, like he was having sex, forcing right. them to have sex with him. And, and that's a real thing. This is a, these are the right-wing people that were driving the anti-LGBTQ movement in Texas for decades. Yeah, but if And here's who they really are. Here's who they really, really are. But they want to call us groomers. Yes. Right, because if you take your kid to see somebody dressed as a princess reading children's books to them, that's going to turn them gay. Right. It's always right. the one that shouts the loudest about grooming kids, protecting kids. It's always, yep. you know, it, they, they are always <clears throat> the ones who, who end up being caught. Well, it makes sense. You know, there's, there's it's the on screaming, their mind. Look, at, look into my personal behavior. Right. But and you're going to find it's it. It's on their mind. Would you have even thought, you know, you and I, uh, Laurent, went to the same uh, storybook. Yes. Drag Queen story time. Mm-hmm. It was the most innocent I mean, thing that I've ever been to. Innocent beyond innocent. <laughs> so we wouldn't even think Could of have, it yeah. in terms of it grooming kids grooming kids to do what read Read? exactly exactly you know and so to loop it back around to the original discussion on on senator west you know i told him you know i'm i was raised with lesbian moms and occasionally we would have an opportunity to come into dallas and i was a kid that went to drag shows is there something wrong with me did something happen to me i mean well i know that there are things wrong with me but i promise you that's not what cost (laughs) (laughs) but but you know for the for the record Kendall is way too karaoke focused. I, I am, I'm a big karaoke fan. That's true. I mean, like over the top. And that may have been the drag shows. That may have been the drag shows. It may have been. Yeah. But you're kind of good. Well, 
thank you. I appreciate it. I actually came here today to perform a number for you. <laughs> no, um, no, but, you know, so I, I told him that. And then I also really feel like he may not have understood the historical significance behind drag in the community. I'm not a person who really, in my spare time, chooses to spend a lot of time at drag shows, right? Doesn't mean I want to ban a bunch of them, but I understand the historic significance of them. You know, at Stonewall, the first ones that threw punches back when the cops were coming in and beating the hell out of gay guys, it was the drag queens. They stood up right. and fought back, and they're sacred. And trans community. women. Right. And they're sacred in the community. And for you to, to take an attack at them, it's why it feels like such a gut punch to the LGBT community. Well, plus, it was the drag queens who raised money for the emerging AIDS organizations in 1983 through... And still do today. And still do today, but they're the ones that all of those organizations, they raised money one dollar at a time right. and raised millions. You know, of course we have the discu these discussions in my home and we were, Danny and I uh, were talking about the banning of drag shows, the legislation that's been proposed and or passed around the nation, not just in Texas. And my kid overheard, and she said, and it was just such a simple question, but it was so, just so point. She just said, protect us from what? Yeah. And I couldn't answer. I'm Great like, question. She's like, protect us from what? I mean, Gabrielle's seen many drag shows. Um, and so, you know, going back to here in Texas, what, you know, how the bill is designed. So what's going to happen with um, Pride? Or yeah. It, our pride has already been shut down in, in Florida because of this. What's going to happen? What's going to happen with um, with a show like Tootsie that's playing this exactly. week at the Windspear Opera House? It is drag. It's drag. The drag main is character everywhere. is a man dressed as a woman. The story is about him getting a part as a woman in a Broadway show. They changed that storyline from the film. What about <laughs> one of the most popular reality TV shows on TV? RuPaul's Drag Race. Kids watch that. Yes. So, okay, are, is it going to be illegal to air that now? Oh, here's a fun little community one, too. So when I was a kid growing up, my sister competed in these pageants, right? Oh, yeah. She was Little Miss New Boston in Bowie County. And that pageant still kind of happens to this day. But one of the ways that they paid for that pageant is all of the dads would compete in the womanless beauty pageant. And they would dress oh, wow. up as women and, and lip sync and dance. Oh, my and God. And people would buy tickets, and that's how they would raise money. That's in the middle of East Texas. I mean, right? Wow. Uh, you don't get more East Texas than Bowie County. It's literally the furthest east. And, and that is where, you know, how they were funding their, their little community pageants. And so, like, it's beyond things that are just happening in these urban centers. Right. I mean, and, and, and how ironic, too, that those little girl pageants are sort of sexualizing little yeah, girls. Yeah. You know, they're putting them in these yeah. skimpy outfits and putting makeup on them Can we and trying to make them look older than they yeah, are. Yeah. Can we say John A. Ramsey? Yeah. <laughs> you know, come on. Yeah, I mean, like, it is sort of ironic. And then it's and then the way they, they, they're able to even do that there is through a drag show. You know what I mean? Like... Have you ever even stopped to look at yourselves, people? <laughs> well, it confuses me, too, with, like, what constitutes a woman performing drag? Can women not wear pants? Like, what is what is a woman wearing male clothes? So, like, well, I, mean, wait, just, I have, I have my, my fun quote. A, a, a man in drag is funny. A woman in drag is Armani. <laughs> 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 Which is kind of true. Kind of true. <laughs> 
But it's a valid question because the law is not just directed at men doing drag. It's at anyone doing drag. Anyone dressed uh, in clothing that's inappropriate for their sex. So inappropriate means strict, rigid, gender, traditional gender roles. I mean, that's what they're wanting to impose on the, everybody. I mean, is this 1823 or 2023? Exactly. Seriously. Exactly. Do I think that that random guy at the bar wearing a kilt is weird? Of course I do. But should he not be allowed to do it? <laughs> of course he should be allowed to do it. And so is that illegal now? Right, right. You know, you, but a kilt is actually traditional male garb. But somebody could say, hey, so, it looks like a dress to me. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it's, so it's just it's just not logical administratively, besides all of the ideological reasons you shouldn't support it. It's just unenforceable uh, or overly enforceable. Well, uh, again, the, the, it's not just Texas. Other states are either discussing passing similar laws have already done so. Can, can anyone discuss or elaborate on maybe some challenges to these laws by the ACLU? What's going on? I haven't heard much. I, I don't know that there are any active cases being brought, but I do know they're looking at them. Um, and and it, I, think, I think a lot of it will depend on um, how many of them are written so that they can build a case um, either on, on, in a group mm -hmm. or across state lines and, and some sort of class action. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but I do know they're looking at them. Yeah, cause um, I just don't see how these laws can stand up constitutionally. I, I don't either. I, I think it's a, it's a matter of uh, First Amendment self-expression. When you step back from these bills... And Bostock. It's mm -hmm. easy to get in the weeds with them, but you step back and look at it from a larger picture and say, what is the end goal with these? What are they trying to accomplish with these bills? And it's pretty clear that what they're trying to do is erase LGBT right. people from to, existing. To they think right. that they are immoral and that they shouldn't exist or be around your kids. And so from a grand scheme, I mean, that's what they're doing. They're trying and they're chipping away at it one bit at a time, one bit at a time. We can take away your right to dress you the way you want to dress or take away your right to read what you want to read or take away your right to view what you want to view. And or say what you want to say. You, or say what you want to say. The don't say gay bill in Florida, right? Don't say gay, don't say they. Eventually you end up in a society where it is illegal to be. Right. And, and right. that that is very scary. So whether or not you agree with an individual bill or not, the 50,000 foot view of it is terrifying. I mean, it is a it is a fascist society that they're trying to build for us. And I really do think that's that's that the end goal is for us to be not just ostracized, but punished. Right. And like by the state, mm -hmm. by the mm -hmm. government. Yeah. And I, I think that is their goal, and which is clearly fascist. And the people who are continue to vote for these, these, um, these GOP lawmakers who introduce bills and tr push them through, and the Democrats who go along with the with it, um, I, I think if you vote for for any of them, you're contributing to it, and you're part of that effort to to punish you're me, part of the problem. to punish you, to punish you, or like all of us, mm -hmm. to punish all of us for being who we are. Um, last year we got, you know, the news came out of Florida that they had passed this so-called don't say gay bill. And it, 
pretty much, I think it was from kindergarten to third grade. Now they've amended that bill. It goes all the way through uh, K through 12. Well, but the thing is, and you can't, in their argument, they were saying, but it's just kindergarten through third grade. What are you upset about? Well, mm-hmm. now it's K through yeah. 12. And they specifically can't talk about gender and gender identity. So I heard an interview of uh, one of the Florida lawmakers who was defending it. And the interviewer asked, well, what about a kid who has two same-sex parents? Can they not talk about that at school? And the lawmaker said, well, that's different because the Supreme Court did um, legalize same-sex marriage. But that's it. So, th- so now the Supreme Court has to legalize every single topic that deals with sexuality or gender identity to be able to talk about it at school. Oh, that that's insane! It's and, insane. And then the other thing too is that just like you were talking about, Laurent, with the with that bill, they say, oh, well, we're going to limit, we're going to ban gender affirming care for kids. Mm-hmm. And now some states are looking at banning gender affirming care for adults. Oh, I knew that was coming. So, I yeah. mean. So what are they? What is the end game here? And this is all in one, basically one political cycle, one election cycle. Imagine what's, what, what life will be like here in this country in two years, in, in three years, in six years, in ten years. The, the, the societal push, and they're going to have little kids on the playground saying, oh, you're gay, and they're going to take them behind the building and beat them up, mm-hmm. and somebody's going to die, or they're going to... I mean, like, like the whole thing is to, to demonize, um, ostracize, and, and dehumanize LGBTQ people. That's what this is about. And That's what the, the, the purpose is. It's what the effect will be. And it's a significant concern to me about how far right will they go. I mean, at one point... We thought, you know, the overturn of Roe versus Wade was probably as far right as you could go because places are going to start, places are going to start making, getting abortion illegal. Well, wrong. They're literally, literally filing bills now to make birth control illegal. Yeah. To make it illegal for you to go to a different state to get health care. Yeah, they're going to hunt you down. It never stops moving right. Right. If you give an inch, they move an inch further. Mm -hmm. And so to have these Democrats think that they're going to be able to sit down and 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 be like, okay, well, we'll give you this one. We'll work together on it. Well, guess what? Next session, they're going to come back with a bill that's going to take it even further because you just gave them permission to. It's... we're we're getting to a point where I just don't know how much further right starts to exist in a democratic society. Right. It doesn't. You don't ban books in a democracy. I mean yeah. this this is way, way out of control. And if if there are Republicans out there or people who, who say they're not they're not extremists or they're in the middle or something like that, you're if you're voting Republican, you're voting for this. You support this. Because the only way those people get in is because you vote for them. You don't know. It's pretty simple. And I I resent people. And I'm going to it's going to be very hard going forward to, to look at people I know in any setting and know that they support this stuff. Because well, if they're not talking against it, they're for it. Yeah. Well, it's now a mainstream position. You know, my, my personal pet issues are public school issues, right? And, and, I mean, it's getting to a point where 
you know, it is a mainstream opinion in the Republican Party that we shouldn't even have public schools anymore. I mean, yeah. they, they are, I know that sounds dramatic to some people. Some people may hear that and be like, oh, here comes this partisan hack. No, look at some of the bills that they're Absolutely. writing. I mean, these voucher bills will effectively shutter doors of community public schools that mm-hmm. can no longer afford to mm-hmm. operate anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you only have the option of sending your kids to fancy private schools if you can afford it. Yeah, and I, those are all going to be religious it. based. Yes. Or to some corporate charter school where your kid's just a money-making object for mm-hmm. a corporation and not someone who are actually trying to grow their intellect and, their, and to educate them. I mean, it, it, it gets very scary. Uh, I, I just... Every day, in every legislative session, I think that there are going to be Republicans that wake up and say, guys, you think this is a little too far? And there never seems to be folks in the room willing to do that. We haven't gotten to that point yet. Well, were they ever? I thought the voucher bill was was, um, not, not advancing in Texas. So they banned it in a budget vote. However, they are trying to bring it back through different means. Uh, I actually read in the quorum report yesterday that uh, Greg Abbott has been sending push polls around into the Republican districts where they voted against vouchers. Um, and and just for our listeners, a push poll is where you say, do you believe that Dick Cheney eats puppies in the mornings? <laughs> yeah. If you found out... That Dick Cheney ate puppies in the mornings. Would you A, approve? B, disapprove? (laughs) That's what a postal was. And and they're paying for those around public schools and vouchers. So they're pushing their false narratives that are completely, I mean, just completely off their rocker, saying that, you know, some rural kid would be able to take a voucher to a private school. Private schools don't even exist in most of those. Well, see, that's that's my point. I think the reason it kind of died in rural Texas. It's because Friday Night Lights. You cannot take my kid's football mm-hmm. career and the excitement, the, the center of our lives every Friday away because, you know. Well, they have no place to send their kids. There aren't charter there schools. Are, exactly. Yeah, there right, aren't right. private but the, schools. the high school and the school system in rural Texas is very important. Very. And, and you know, this, Socially. Here comes the liberal in me, but, you know. What's really scary is when these schools start to get even less funding from the state. We're already 42nd to 47th, depending on who you talk to, in funding. As they start to get even less school, you know what the first programs to go are going to be? They're going to be the arts programs. Absolutely. You're going to start losing your bands. You're going to start losing your drama programs. You're going to start losing your choir programs. I mean, art is going to be the first one on the chopping block in our public schools. It won't be sports. It's it's terrifying. Yeah, it is. We need to take a break. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. We just learned that our guest is liberal. (laughs) (laughs) Right here, you're the first. And we'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. Hi, this is Candy Markham, and I listen to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. Listen. (laughs) <laughs> and this is Lambda Weekly. Our guest today is Kendall Scudder. He's vice chair for finance of the Texas Democratic Party. But one of the things when he came into the studio, I introduced him to my partner, Jeremy, and said, he has a gay mom, too. And so Kendall told us the story of his mother coming out to, to us. It's hysterical. <laughs> well, I asked, I was like, when did you find out? Yeah. So my So my mother and my father split up whenever I was like in third grade somewhere around there and so my mother's 
partner, of course, we all just thought she was her roommate, right? Of That's course. how they would refer to it. We were in like the smallest town, East Texas. I mean, yeah, uh, the stealth lesbians, as right, Kate right. Clinton calls right. us. Right. I mean, we were in New Boston for a bit, went to Greenville for a bit, went to Sulphur Springs uh, for a bit. The New so. Boston Marriage. R, 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 R. I don't know that one. Boston marriage is a, is a is a euphemism for a lesbian couple. Oh, I didn't oh, know that. Didn't know that. Yeah. A Boston okay. marriage. So now we got oh, a new that's Boston. Where they had to go to get married. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So so you know it was, you know she she my stepmother, who couldn't be my stepmother because they couldn't get married at the time, right? But she's my stepmother for all intents and purposes. Right. Um, you know she lived with us, and I thought she was just the roommate. And my mother was talking on the phone one day after you know probably a couple years of. of April living with us and somebody in our family was upset that April was coming to my aunt's wedding because you know they just didn't you know they were still unhappy with my mother's lifestyle choice oh, right. dreaded lifestyle. and so they were upset and I just go to my mom and I just start tugging her I'm like hey mom 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 why why are they mad why are they mad about <laughs> April coming to the wedding why? and my mother just takes the phone and she pulls it aside and looks at me and goes because we're lesbians surely you understand that by now <laughs> <laughs> I like, oh, I guess that makes sense. I was like that meme with all the, that lady with the math running around her head. I was yeah. like, oh. oh my God. That is it's coming into focus now. <laughs> that is hilarious. I love that. You know, it's, it's not easy. I, I think it's a lot easier now for people to, you know, have same-sex parents. It, it still has its challenges, don't get of me course. wrong. But, you know, at the time where you're in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, and that was a really rough time, especially in Texas where they were doing this culture war on, on our families so that George Bush could win the presidency, right? And it was scary. I mean, we got... I, I got kicked out of Boy Scouts because parents didn't want their kids around me. Got asked not to come back to Bible oh, study classes. are you classes. serious? And, and, you know, it was just... It was the same kind of concept where parents thought that if their kids were anywhere adjacent to our family, they would suddenly be gay, right? And they just didn't... What were they teaching in Bible study that you couldn't hear? <laughs> I wonder. Doesn't it make you wonder, though, if you said, now you can become gay if you don't wear a mask around a gay person... You know, because it's airborne. You know, when these people suddenly begin wearing masks, because the gayness is much scarier right, right. than a pandemic that can kill you. Right. So we should start you telling know. them that you can get gay if you don't wear a mask, yes. and that trans people have guns. Yeah. And then we can finally get gun control legislation, right. and they'll start wearing masks. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you. I think one of the things with trans people for the right wing is they're afraid of them. Oh yeah. I think it's actually a physical fear that they have. The way some people are afraid of somebody pointing a gun at them, they're afraid of somebody pointing a trans person at them. And I, th I honestly believe they think trans people and drag performers are the same thing. Now, they may oh, be. They might be. But that's not how they're in defined. General, it's not. And, and it's not. It's not. Right. I, so just to be clear for our listeners... A trans person is 24-7, 100% of the time, li trying to live the life who they are inside. We call it gender affirmation surgeries and, and care because they're affirming who they've always been. And if they were born in a male body they, and they've always been female, then they are female. Right. Um, a drag performer spends six hours putting on makeup and clothes. <laughs> <laughs> to perform for a couple of hours, and then they take it all off, and they, and they go, off and, and go, they go, and go home. They go home. Yeah. And yeah. that's the difference. Huge difference. It's entertainment versus who you are. 
I think it's also important to note, though, that especially in the case of people like Senator West, who we were talking about earlier, I think he genuinely just doesn't understand. I don't even know that it's hostility. I don't, I don't even think know that hostility it's fear. There. I think it was just, it, you know, at the end of the day, he's still an old man that just didn't get it. it. And, and people had to just kind of sit down and explain and walk him through some of it. And luckily, you know, I mean, he is with us 99% of the time. And he was able to be like, I got it. It suddenly kind of clicked to him. I think all of us saw the look on his face when it did kind of click for him. And so, you know, we just have to have, it's easy for me to say as a straight guy, right, that we have to have patience. But sometimes you just have to have patience with people and take the time to explain it to them and walk them through it. Um, If you don't have that personal patience because they've been attacking you, I understand that, right? And let some of us who are allies take that, that burden off of you of trying to explain it and walk people through it. But, you know, it's a new thing that a lot of people are having to learn. It's not a new thing, but to them it's a new thing that they're having right. to learn and you know we're, we just have to do it one person at a time but, but one of the things that bothers me though and in that meeting before during and after um, uh, is is that there are so many elected officials who have been with us from the get-go and you know what they do they come to stonewall meetings they come to events in our community they go to black tie dinner. They go to pride, the pride parade and the festival, and they come to the fundraiser for this and the fundraiser for that or the award ceremony for this or that, and they know us because they're there. There is there and probably more there with our community than, than other queer people who aren't involved in anything. You know what I mean? Like there are elect there and they are they are there by the dozens upon dozens upon dozens at every level, city council, Dallas County, um, state legislature, Congress. I mean, all of these elected officials who know us in our community, we see them. We see them all the time. Mm -hmm. They're there. They know us and they know by knowing us that none of this crap is true. Right. So it makes me wonder about the 12 who, who betrayed us. Um, are they that ignorant about our community too? Um, or like the people who are really there with us, they knew exactly what this is about. And I think that there is room for Senator Royce West to get to know us after 30 years of representing us. I think there is a lot of room for him, not staff, for him to show up in our community and show up in a big way, like with an open mind and wanting to get to know us. I think that's incredibly important. And that was one of his commitments too, right? I mean, literally at the meeting that we had with him, he said, you know, I've never been to a drag show. Is there one tonight? Let's go. I like, he seems very open to it. I appreciate that. I know that Republicans who voted against it would probably not be willing to, to go to that with us. And so I think it goes oh, along. Oh, I think there's some that really would. And Maybe. they'll bring their ones. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I think he's doing his best to do the right thing. And I appreciate that. That's all you can really ask of an elected official if they make a mistake uh, is to admit that it's a mistake and try to do better. Yes. Um, but it's absolutely. our responsibility to follow them and to hound them and make sure that they know we are watching. And he clearly said in his uh, memo that came out afterwards that he apologizes for that vote. Right. I mean, that was just clear and unequivocal. He didn't try to blame it on anything other than his own lack of knowledge on the subject. Um, You know, when I was saying I really think some Republicans actually fear trans people, 
There were 28, well, there were 2,800 people who had signed up the day I was down in Austin to speak at a committee hearing. Those committee rooms hold about 100 people. So the rest of the trans folk, and there were, uh, well, 2,800 of them and their friends just lining the halls. They were just up and down the halls. They were in the uh, rotunda. Everywhere you walked in that Capitol, you saw just lots of trans people. There was one Republican representative who said about that day, this is worse than January 6th. Oh. <laughs> now, oh. there is one bright spot in that statement. He understands January 6th was a bad thing. <laughs> That's wow. true. Wow. wow. That's Roundabout way to Republican primary. Yeah, <laughs> roundabout way to acknowledge it, but yeah. But do you really think they fear yeah. trans people? Yes. I, 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 I guess I slightly disagree. I think they are they're disgusted by them. I, I think thing. they are they feel superior. That too. That too. And uh, that everyone else is inferior. Yeah. Well, I think they're afraid. But I don't of know them. if they're f- afraid of them. Oh, I think the idea of shaking the hand of a trans person petrifies some of them. What you know to me, what just kind of blows my mind about it is, you know, I, I still have kind of this rural mindset from time to time, where like you know I was raised out there, and it's pretty obvious to me. You just be nice to people, mind your own business, right? Like that's kind of what what all of our mo's were. People would always just tell you if you were tattling or whatever, just keep your own front porch clean. Be nice to people, mind your own business, and. They're not heeding that very simple advice that you'd think that they would consider that it ingrained in them, too. Just be nice to people and mind your own business. If somebody is trans and you don't understand it, that's cool. It wasn't for you. It, right. it, they weren't trans so that you could understand it. Just be nice and mind your own business. And they're not, they're not bothering you. No. Yep. I mean, if, as on. long as you're not hurting anybody, exactly. I, I don't know, understand what the problem is. And I, and I, I see it as, a, as the primary difference between... The two major parties is the is the the Republican Party to me is going out of its way to other the othering in this country has gotten out of hand and pick something because it's everybody it's literally everybody who is not um, cisgender heterosexual white Christian nationalist essentially and everybody else I mean we're talking about Pick somebody from a racial standpoint, black, brown, Asian, Native American, indigenous, Pacific Islanders, um, you know, it, everybody has been attacked in some way, shape or form. Jewish people, it's off the charts, the anti-Semitism, the, the people with disabilities. I mean, like they're coming after all of us, all of us, if we do not fit their right. mold. And... Uh, and that's the big difference of the parties. They're not neutral about us or don't or want anything to do with us. They're coming after us. All of these bills, like I said at the, earlier, that not one of them is to uphold the human dignity and respect they have for LGBTQ people. They're attacking us. Somewhere in this bill, they're attacking us in some way, shape, or form. And, and that's what they're about. They have to attack somebody. We've, you know, in the past 20 or so years, ever since Lawrence v. Texas was overturned, um, uh, not overturned, actually, since we, we won with Lawrence v. Texas, um, you know, we've made some major gains in this country for the LGBT community. Um, but now it seems like we're taking colossal steps backwards. Do you think that that's to be expected, the backlash? It's like, okay, we're just, 
some people are thinking they're just they're going too far, too far left. They're making I think it's reconstruction redux. I mean, what what happened after the Civil War was that um, black people in this country who had been enslaved were freed, mm-hmm. and we saw. Uh, pretty quickly, there were lots and lots of black people elected to Congress mm-hmm. and elected to state legislatures and stuff. And then the white people suddenly were like, no, we can't have that. And so what became of that was an, over, an overturning of Reconstruction and Jim Crow. And Jim Crow persisted all the way up until we got rid of the official Jim Crow um, through the Civil Rights Act, the Voting right. Rights Act. And what have they done? They've they've chipped away at the Voting Rights Act. There's no um, there's no what do they call it precondition um, where where they they have to sign off if they change voting laws. So they've changed voting laws Pretty like much. crazy. Now they're coming after black people in all kinds of ways. The 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 critical race theory stuff is so ridiculous. Ridiculous. So ridiculous. I mean, to the point where you know if you if you write a story about Rosa Parks, you're not going to mention that she's black. Yeah. As, a, as an essential part of the story. It doesn't make a difference what color she is, though. <laughs> Please. Yeah. And people who say they're colorblind, stop. Yeah, stop. Stop. Well, stop. Yeah. I'm well, colorblind. I, I see white Ron over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, and on the topic of cowardly Democrats, let's talk about <clears throat> DEI for a second. Uh, DEI. You know, DEI is... Oh, my God, that is scary. Diversity, equity, and inclusion classes. The Democrats in the House offered up an amendment to make sure that we kept the funding for those programs in our budget. And it didn't pass. And then the Democrats voted for the budget. There were only nine Democrats that voted against the Republican budget in the House. Oh, gee. Where is the... It's like Republicans don't have a heart and Democrats don't have a spine. Where did you guys... Like, if you were really upset about DEI being stripped from the budget... How are you showing up and voting for it? <laughs> I mean, wow. but this is going to kill ed- public education in Texas like it's doing in Florida, where they're yanking all AP classes. Yep. You know, and, and so these kids are never going to have an opportunity to really advance and get that kind of scholarship that they need to to go to the, the higher education mm. institutions they're looking for because they can't take AP classes. Right. While in Texas, they're going to take away tenure from college professors, you know, and take away DEI. So what are we going to have? We're going to have white Old white guys, yeah, teaching and and stuff. I mean, well, like they've already come for blind. women. They've since, already come for women. We have no autonomy. Since we're colorblind, we won't know that it's all right. Black probably that's probably their rationale. You know what's really scary about it to me is that when we when we do this and we it pushes this narrative that there's something wrong with you if you are gay or if you are not white or if you are not, you know if you are different there's something wrong with you is the message it pushes yes and there's a little kid somewhere in east texas or in west texas or in south dallas or in south dallas who doesn't have an adult around them to affirm that they're okay that there's nothing wrong with you you are the way god made you and intended you and I tell you what, I would rather a kid uh, in in the middle of a gender transition than a dead kid. Uh, and, amen. And right, you know, it's it's going to lead to a lot of kids that are scared of who they are, uh, significant depression issues, and killing themselves. And we should and care more of, about that. And what did the state of Texas do? Rather than have a hotline where where LGBTQ kids could could call about their their suicidal ideation. Um, they took down all the hotline. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so there's no resources now for queer kids to even call a state resource. 
and, and like they're not, I mean, they literally don't want us to exist. No, they don't. That's, that's what you're talking about, too. Yeah. Is that they don't want us to exist. They don't want that kid to get over his depression and sadness about being gay or trans. And the scary part is that he they're slowly... He wants them to commit suicide. They're slowly succeeding at uh, making sure that we don't exist. Exactly. We are out of time. Thank you so much, well, Kendall. So good to see you. Well, that is a, a really depressing note to end Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to do something about it. Can we, can we end on the fact that in the last presidential election, Texas was only six points away from flipping? We were closer than Ohio, closer than Florida. There are a lot of people. Texas actually has the second largest Democratic Party in the country. Uh, six million Texans voted for Joe Biden. Like, we're getting there. There are people in Texas that understand it. We just have to work together to make sure that those voices can be amplified and that they're showing up. And I really appreciate Appreciate y'all for letting me come on your show and hang out with y'all today. Well, thank, thank you. Thanks, you so much. Thank come, you. Come back again. Come back. And our guest next week is the author of a book called The Savvy Ally.